So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us, who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one-size-fits-all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. This is the Alternative Investing Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I would love to unpack with you this question around can you shape the money habits of your children? And the reason that I want to unpack this a little bit is because it has been one of the most emotional conversations that I have had with many of my clients over the last 10 to 15 years. It's one of those things that to the outside world, we present this view that got it all together. We know exactly what we're doing. We're really strong in our beliefs around how much financial support we're prepared to give our children, um, how we express love to them in terms of giving them what they want. But the truth of the matter is most people are unsure. Most people are floundering. Most people have confusion around what makes the most sense. And the truth of the matter is that we are hopeful that we're doing all the right things, but it's not until these kids reach their 20s and 30s that we really see the fruits of our labor. So it's a really, really important topic for so many people, even those that think they are having kids in the future. So the reason that this is such an emotive topic and the reason that so many people are preoccupied with the idea of helping their children, their offspring, their, their bloodline is because most people have had a pretty rough trot when it comes to building their own wealth. They've had to hustle. They've had to work hard. They've had to sweat blood. They've had to do all sorts of things, endured all sorts of physical, emotional, psychological hardship in order to achieve the status around money and wealth that they have today. And I speak to so many parents who think that the ultimate is to cultivate really great money and spending habits with their children so that they don't have to go through those same hardships. I guess the real starting point for today is to kind of unpack a little bit of research so that you can understand exactly why this is such a challenging topic. There is a group, a big research group in the US called the US Trust. And what they did was they surveyed thousands of high net worth families and asked them questions around investing and money and their beliefs in money. And one of the areas that they focused on was thinking about, well, how do parents worry about the impact of money on their children? And I thought these were some interesting stats to, to pull out and focus on. 65% of people interviewed felt that there was too much emphasis on material things. 55% of respondents said that they felt their children were really naive about money. 52% said that their children spent beyond their means. 50% said they felt the initiative in their kids could be ruined by affluence. 49% believe their kids will not do as well financially as they themselves have done. And 42% find it really hard or think their kids find it very hard to take financial responsibility. So in my opinion, there's some pretty grim stats because in some cases, it's kind of saying that well over half are thinking that their kids are not going to be financially successful. Now pair that with the $80 trillion that people believe will pass 
on to future generations just in the US over the next 30 to 40 years. And so you can start to see why there is great concern from a lot of people that have worked really hard to build their wealth that it's all going to disappear down the gurgler. Now, there's various studies showing that up to 90% of that will disappear in, in three generations. That leaves us back to the question of what is it that we can do with our children to maybe stack the odds in our favor. And the next thing I wanted to share with you was a study that came out of the University of Michigan. And this is a really fascinating study. Again, one of the beliefs that many people have is that children are born as a clean slate. As a parent, it's your job to instill all the right values, including money values and spending values, vesting values and all that kind of stuff. What this study actually found is that children as young as five already had very distinct emotional reactions to spending and saving money. Those actually translated into real life spending behaviors. The most interesting finding as well was that the spending behaviors were in fact not modeled after their parents. The way that they did this was they adopted a scale that has been used in other studies with adults, which is the spend thrift tight wad scale. And that's been used in a lot of studies to measure adults' emotional reactions to spending money. On one hand, with a spend thrift, they feel emotional pleasure from spending money as quickly as possible. And tight wads are the polar opposite. So they experience pain around spending money. The upshot of that is the spendthrifts lack that emotional break, tend to carry more debt. And what they found is that when they applied that kind of spectrum to these five to 10 year olds, the emotional response to spending was actually a useful predictor for what they then did with their money and how much children could be tempted by things like online shopping and media and walking through supermarkets. I'm sure some of you have seen people walking through a department store with a young child who's having a complete meltdown tantrum because the parent is refusing to buy some item that the child has seen. And what they found with this study was that if a child was a spendthrift, meaning they they just enjoy and got pleasure from spending money, it almost didn't matter whether they even liked the item or not. What mattered was whether or not they had it and the pleasure or the hit that came from spending the money. So what does that all mean? I want to be really honest with you guys because this is certainly not something I have figured out. I still have the internal dialogue and battles in my own family thinking about how to navigate this stuff. But I've also been in the fortunate position to have hundreds of conversations with family about what's going on in their family with what their kids are thinking, feeling, doing, and some of the concerns that they have around this issue of money and money habits. One of the things that I hear repeatedly with parents of young children is that my kids are special, that I'm approaching this differently, especially when it comes to thinking about young children as future recipients or guardians of your wealth. It's really easy to naively believe that you can shape them exactly the way you want. But anyone who's a parent of older kids or even young adults will probably have a bit of a giggle at this, in fact, because the truth of the matter is, and this has certainly been my experience, children are actually born with this character or this personality. The best you can do as a parent is is potentially still those values in them, but as to whether or not they're adopted is a completely different story. So one of my mentors used to use was that you are the guide for your children. You can't control them. You can't control how they turn out, but you can certainly, you know, shave off some of those rough edges.
Going back to our dilemma, nobody wants to believe that you're going to go to all this trouble to build this wealth and that you're just going to hand it on to one, two, three, four, five kids who just blow it all up within a very short space of time. This idea of thinking that you are different is definitely something that I think needs to be addressed because we all understand that humans are in fact very complex and unpredictable creatures. And there have been huge libraries filled on the topic of human psychology around money and behavior around money. There's no question that something about the perception of freedom and power and control that creates amazingly healthy as well as really unhealthy behaviors. And I want to tell you a story just very quickly about a client that I was working with about five years ago. He was an extraordinarily successful entrepreneur. He had just sold his business and he had built over the course of about 20 years a reasonably solid property empire. Now he had three young children and he felt very strongly that he didn't want his kids to endure the same financial pain that he'd had. He sent them to the best schools. He enrolled them in every extracurricular activity that they showed any interest in. And as his kids became teenagers, what became very obvious was that they all had incredibly different money values and beliefs. And he was totally flummoxed. How could three individuals, three kids born in the same house, sitting at the same dinner table with the same conversations end up completely different? He thought he'd lay the foundations for all three of them to be wildly successful. He had one child that was agonized would agonize about spending any money at all. He had one child who couldn't spend it fast enough and he had one child who just seemed to be completely disinterested in money. So there were varying points of pain, but the the point that I'm making is that it was definitely not a straightforward kind of outcome for him. The reason I'm telling you that story is I think we can believe that financial literacy by itself, panacea if you like, or the, the drug that will get your kids to being financially successful. But we forget that results are a function not only of how we think, but the actions that we take. And I would even say the way we think actually probably shapes more of our actions than we give them credit for. With that in mind, what I thought would be really useful and how I really want to end out this podcast is to share some ideas that actually came from another research report done by UBS Wealth. So UBS Wealth Management surveyed about four and a half thousand high net worth and ultra high net worth families. There was so much detail around the research. They wrote all sorts of papers on it. But what was really exciting from my perspective is they boiled down all of that research into three key findings. And I want to share those with you because I think this is actually the gold that you can actually practically take away and maybe think about how could we apply this in our own house? Because I think the art of raising children to not be entitled, the art of raising children to value money, to not have pain around the topic of money and the flow of money is actually one of the most incredibly difficult challenges that we face in the modern world. These three things, I think, actually give you at least a kind of a north star, if you like, to help you guide your decision making. Because the the ultimate truth is like parenting, how you share your wealth with your children, how much money and support you give them is so personal. And what we want to be really careful of is that we don't judge the decisions made by other people. I'll give you an example of this before I dive into it. I have a good friend who is very supportive of his adult children from a financial point of view. He wants to provide everything from the roof over their head to the sense of connection in the family. And financially, that has uh, left the adults on the brink of bankruptcy because their dogmatic attachment to needing to provide housing for adults who are perfectly able-bodied, who have jobs, who could be out there, you know, making their own way in the world, have been thwarted by the parent's desire to be a loving and caring parent. Now, it's easy as an outsider 
better to look at that and actually say, well, how ridiculous. But at the same time, it's the highest of high values for the patriarch of that family to be supporting his family in that way. And so what's really important is that we recognize what you value and what matters to you is going to be completely different to what matters to somebody else. And we want to try as much as possible, not so much to look over the shoulders of the people around you and judge it, but maybe look for inspiration so that we can come up with our own operating system, if you like, for how we share our wealth with our children. So going back to my three keys, the three keys that UBS Wealth Management came up with was number one, don't give them everything they want. Now, I could actually probably speak for hours on this subject alone. It's really, really important that you orchestrate the struggle with your kids. You know that there are going to be certain milestones along the way, things that they ask for. There's going to be a point in time where they need money to do the things that they want to do. And what you need to do in anticipation of those requests is actually design the way you want to handle it. What happens with a lot of parents is they don't give it any thought. Next thing you know, your child comes to you and I'll I'll paint you a real life scenario here. Your teenage daughter, or let's even call it a friend, comes to you asking for help to buy a car. Now she wants it as a birthday gift for her birthday, but she doesn't just want any car. She wants you to buy her a convertible BMW. The question is, how do you respond? If this is something that perhaps you've given some thought to, then perhaps you're going to come up with a civilized response or a a way of handling it. But what happens for a lot of people is they're taken off guard. They have no ready reply. And so they end up feeling guilted into complying with a request of the young person that's asking for it. On the topic of don't give them everything they want, the artistry in this is about anticipating things that are going to happen in the future. So obviously, if you have young kids, you're quite a distance from them wanting cars or asking for iPads and technology and all those things. But you could probably hazard a guess that those things are going to come up. So when you're thinking about how your household will run, think about how you might address that. Don't give them everything they want, you know, and really this goes back to making them earn the right to certain things so that they do start to see that there's a transactional level to just earning money even within the household. The second key principle that they summarized from all of their results was allow them to work. Now, this one seems very simple, but I often speak to parents who think that I don't want my children to suffer. So therefore, I don't want them to be distracted from school. I don't want them to feel the pressure of needing to go to school and work. But again, there's a balance there. And if you think of it as a spectrum, if you don't allow them to work, if you don't allow them to have some level of financial independence, then again, you're going to breed a whole series of other problems. They're going to potentially not see the value of working. They're going to struggle to connect personal exertion with reward. They're going to have all sorts of behaviors, including the horrible E word entitlement that so many parents grapple with. So the second thing is allow them to work, even if it's just doing jobs around the home in order to earn some kind of allowance, like make there be a connection between their contribution and the financial reward. And then the third and final key that came out of this study by UBS was let them fail. One of the things that I've been very much guilty of, and I I see it in other parents as well, is wanting to rescue our children when from a fiscal point of view, they kind of mess things up. They either don't set money aside or they mess it up in some way. The best example that I can share on this is someone in my extended family thought it would be a really good idea to give their 13-year-old son a large lump sum of money to carry him through his whole schooling year. That was supposed to include books, uniforms, extracurricular, everything, like the whole shebang. And of course, they gave him no framework or no guidance on how to manage that money. So unfortunately, the whole thing was gone within about nine weeks. He, being 
a 13-year-old boy decided that he would rather spend such a ginormous lump sum of money on a remote control airplane and did that, it was a very painful lesson for the whole household. So one of the things that they reflected on later was perhaps there could have been an element of letting him fail in terms of slightly an extreme example. And I actually have great empathy for this 13-year-old. But on a smaller scale, what you want to do is allow your children to have micro bumps, micro cuts and bruises so that they do start to recognize the need for stewardship. They recognize the need to look after the money that comes into their world. Because if every time they run short by a few dollars, and I've obviously given an extreme example, which you probably wouldn't let that child fail. But if there are smaller examples, they have some savings goal, they don't quite make it, and they're just asking you to foot the bill or foot the difference, maybe there's an opportunity for learning. Again, this is so unique to each person's household, your personal money beliefs. Those are the three keys, guys. Don't give them everything they want. Allow them to work and let them fail. Hundreds of thousands of dollars went into this kind of research to come up with three very simple keys. So I hope you find that useful. Have a think about how you could execute or implement those ideas in your own household. We've certainly been having a lot of conversations about how this could work in practical terms. And just remember that everything is a spectrum. This isn't about coming out and being hard ass and saying, got to go out and work in the coal mine tomorrow. But it is about having children recognize that there needs to be an element of effort, exertion, fiscal reward if it's coming from inside the family. Guys, I hope you found this useful. Can't wait to catch up with you again. Till next time, take care. You've been listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to inkosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.